Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Slaying Your Lane, the podcast. My name is Elizabeth Yvette And my name is Yomi Adegake. And today we have a very, very special guest, um, our second guest. And, you know, last week we brought you Ovi. Um, and this week we are super, super excited um, to be speaking to Nao, who is a singer and an artist. And we're so excited to have her. Um, hi, Nao. Hi ladies, hello. How are you doing today? Uh, yeah, I'm not too bad today. I'm just like trying to navigate this mum thing and every day is different, it's wild. <laughs> We're gonna get into a little bit of that um, later on, but can I just say, as someone who listens to your music but has never actually heard you speak, you have like the most soothing speaking voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, so true. nice, That's right? so funny. Okay, well, amazing. Well, maybe I need to do like a, a sleep podcast, right? Just like- Has no one told you that? Sleep. Do you know, I actually have heard that a couple of times. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, see, general consensus. You have the yeah, best voice. That's nice to hear. It's really, really nice. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about how lockdown life has been treating you? Obviously- <laughs> There's been a lot of changes for everybody, but very much so for you. So how is it? Have you been finding it? Well, uh, yeah, for me, lockdown was, it was, honestly, it was so wild. Like, um, um, I was heavily pregnant when we went into lockdown in March. Oh, wow. Um, And yeah, I had my baby during lockdown, um, like the peak of it. And so um, I had her in May. And so there was so much like, um going on you know like I wasn't allowed anybody in the room with me for quite a lot of the labor so I did a lot of it on my own apart from the very very last part um so that was quite scary and then afterwards I guess you know when you have a new baby you get to have a celebration in terms of like lots of family and friends coming around um but obviously due to COVID and like so many other people, like like those amazing moments that you're supposed to have with your family and friends just couldn't happen. So, you know, I had a lot of lot of family coming to the gate and leaving, Aww. you know, rice and peas and things like that. <laughs> and just and just waving from afar. So um I have to say, like it was it was pretty intense and um uh maybe I wouldn't have chosen that time to have had my first baby oh gosh and how has it been um how has motherhood been so far well um <laughs> are, are any of you mums no yeah. not yet no. couldn't be further from well that's what i thought we need the other person i, I thought that i thought that <laughs> as well <laughs> the big it, elephant it only takes one night <laughs> so yeah yeah honestly it is it is crazy i mean yeah it's 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 really hard to put into like a sentence Mm. i guess all i can say is like some moments are amazing and some moments are just really 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 tough and like they can happen within the same morning (laughs) 
<laughs> so um so it's just it's it's a real journey but you know what I'm I'm definitely a stronger person for it thank you so much for your honesty and and obviously a huge huge congratulations um you kind of said that you kind of mentioned that you like look it really only does take one night and like you know we're here saying oh my god it's we're so far away from it did you feel like motherhood was something that you were prepared for or was something that you like were planning for or thinking about or was it one of those situations where it's like okay I'm here I've just got to go all guns blazing and just learn along the way if that makes sense yeah definitely the latter um like I knew I wanted to be a mum but I just assumed perhaps I'll just try and push it to the latest time possible um Mm. so I wasn't expecting to be uh, a mum so soon and also because because I'm in a new relationship as well so um um yeah maybe wasn't planning on it but it happened <laughs> you know and um and so yeah it was just like okay here we go let's just go for it and 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 see what happens so all guns blazing indeed yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and silly me like major silly me I forgot to introduce the fact that you were Grammy award nominated um, for your album Saturn so congratulations Yay, thank that you is very much. huge absolutely huge how did you feel when um, you found out uh, well honestly I have to say I was like um, over the moon I was really happy <laughs> um, like you know Grammys is just like it feels like the top of the top kind of um, mm-hmm. um, in terms of like a nod to you you're on the right track um Mm. and so when I did get the call and especially being British as well I have to put that in um I think you know I just associate like the Oscars and the Grammys with American artists and like um American you know Hollywood essentially so to be like a British girl from South Woodford and to be at the Grammys was just like um and sitting on the floor with you know like Beyonce and Billie Eilish and um, I don't know who else. There were so many amazing people there. Alicia Keys. Um, it was like a real honour even just to be nominated and being in the same room with such incredible talent. And yeah, I think the fact that you brought up that, um, you know, the fact that you're a British, a black British woman as well, like I feel like that nomination as black British women, like, I guess because it's something we see so rarely, even that recognition for black British women here, let alone, you know, in the States, we kind of take it really personally and everyone really gets behind you and is rooting for you. But I guess we were very interested in how you felt that your experiences differed in terms of um, here and the reception you received in the States, because a lot of black um, female artists speak about the fact that it's actually often easier or um that they, they you know their re- the reception that they receive in the states is um stronger and more supportive than the one they receive um in the uk as black women what would you say your personal experiences have been with that what i would say is that um definitely i mean my, um for me anyway like my fans are sort of spread equally like across mm. the uk and america and europe um and other places like south africa and Australia but what I would say is that you know like the difference between the UK and um in America is that like R&B 
and hip hop and things like that. That's their pop music over there. Like they're mm. playing that constantly on radio, like their versions of Radio One and, and like Capital and things like that. All you're hearing is black mm. music. Um, and so it's natural that like as a British artist making, um, you know, some form of R&B, like um, it's, it found a home over there and it gets like um, more plays. Um, whereas mm. over here in the UK, we know that pop music is like, um, well, it's not R&B and it's not hip hop. Do you know what I mean? So um, it doesn't really have a, a platform here. It does have a platform, but it's very small. Do you see what I'm saying? And like, and mm. the music that is big, that is of black origin, most of the time isn't sung by a black artist. Um, mm-hmm. So often in the UK, we don't get to be the face of our own music. And mm. I only think, to be honest, the reason why artists like myself or like your LMAs or Mahalia and Georgia, and etc., are like able to kind of make a dent in America is because... Um, it's because the way that we consume music has changed. Like mm. before, like back in the day, like it wasn't about streaming. It was about the record label saying who can go onto radio and radio deciding who they're going to play. And that's how people blew up. But now that we got to streaming and audience can find the music that they like on the internet, it meant that I was allowed to create a fan base without being signed at the time. And like I was able to tour without being signed Um and find a home of listeners mm. across the world, which I, I believe could have never have happened before, like basically the age of the age of the internet and mm. music. That's really true. A lot of black female artists specifically talk about how um, you know, the internet has changed the game and how the way we consume music actually has benefited them. Um so is that something that you've sort of seen in your career as well? I mean, you've kind of touched on it already, but would you be able to speak about the ways that sort of you know, the online space has sort of helped you and other black female artists push their push their music. Yeah, definitely. Um for me I came up as like um a SoundCloud girl. Um so in twenty fourteen, I believe it was, like I put out some music and I came, and and SoundCloud mm. was a really big thing right there, especially for like new artists sort of making mm. like um alternative or like um, demo-y cool music um, and so I came up through that world alongside mm. Kate Trinada and um, the internet literally the internet the band um, mm. I should be able to name a few more but my brain's just gone a bit blank um, but a part of that world and it was really really amazing I don't think I could have cut through in any other way um, to be honest mm. so it just found um, I think the first song that I put out that actually like got traction was a, a tune called So Good and it was a mm. collaboration with an artist called AK Paul and it just it just went off it just went off and, and from now I was able to build through SoundCloud and then I was able to move on from that and actually like perform live and mm. and and like put music out and then start doing it via like the more traditional route of making albums mm. and things like that. So yeah, the internet is really important for for new artists, um, regardless of like you know, race or or, mm. or sexuality. But I just think that like it was particularly helpful for me as a Black British artist because I couldn't I couldn't see another way that it was going to pop off. Do you see what I'm saying? Like that was the route that was only ever going to work for me personally. 
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I was going to ask about um, your, like, your upbringing in terms of like, getting into music. Um, just because I read that you wanted to kind of like do contract law. Um, so I was the kind of wanted to know when did you, when did you kind of have that conversation with your parents that you were going to basically, <laughs> when and how did you have that conversation with your parents that this is what you wanted to do? Um, yeah. and how yeah. confident and passionate, like, did you kind of like put that across? <laughs> wow. Well, um, I did. Yeah. I remember the conversation I had with my mom and my dad. And I think I was about 18, basically. Uh, yeah, I think I was about 18. And like like most, you know, like black parents, um, you know, it is about getting a job that is something in the world of like doctor or lawyer or, you know, just something that's like you need to be qualified for. <laughs> so obviously when I like took up an interest in music, and saying to my parents, you know, I think I want to be a singer. Um, I remember it landing not too bad, but that, I think it was because I was also studying law at the same time. So I thought they, I think they were just a bit like, yeah, yeah, you can do the singing thing, basically because I had the law thing going on as well. Um, but when I was going to university and I was deciding, actually, I don't want to do law. Like I just want to sing. Like I know I want to be a musician. Um, I remember being like really scared to have that conversation with my parents, just thinking that they were just going to sort of reject it, though I was going to do it anyway. Um, but actually, they were like pleasantly supportive. Um, I don't know if it was because I was going to university still, regardless, you know, I was going uni and I was studying music there. Um, and I think that even just going to university for them is like an achievement in itself. So they were like, as long as you're going uni, you can study whatever the hell you want. <laughs> and mm-hmm. perhaps they just thought, you know, I'd study music, but I'll be a teacher. And as, and a teacher is like, you know, that's a good, that's a good job to have. So, um, so I think they were thinking that was going to happen, um, but it didn't. I became a professional musician and uh, my mum, let's just say, still sends me law degree um, online law degree courses to this day. I still get them in my inbox. <laughs> <laughs> Grammy, Grammy or no Grammy. <laughs> she still wants me to be a lawyer. So, um, you know, you know, you know what parents are like anyway. I think, I think being a creative, you know, they, they just kind of, it's new to them, that whole idea. And I think that idea of having something to fall back on, like what's your plan B, um, is always 
brewing in their mind because that's just what safety means to them. Do you know what I mean? They just want you to be mm. safe and secure, um, which is a lot of what they didn't have growing up. So, so I understand. But, you know, we're all creators here and we're all smashing it. So, mm. <laughs> Do you feel like now, like, because you have your own daughter that you, because I guess like, obviously what you're saying is true and it's like very empathetic from your um, parents' perspective. And I think that like, a lot of us when we're growing up, like we cannot see where our parents are coming from. <laughs> like we fully just feel like they're just trying to stifle us. But I feel like your perspective is very kind of like, um, it acknowledges the reality of our parents wanting that security and safety for their children. Do you feel like that's something that you can sort of, I mean, it's too early to say relate to now, but understand better. And I guess, have you even thought about like <laughs> what, what your response would be to like your daughter's kind of career prospects? How you, have you ever started thinking, have you started sorry, thinking about um, how, how you will react to whatever decision she makes in that sort of area? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I won't know until it actually happens, <laughs> but I like to think <laughs> that I, as, as I am now and as the person I am now, I just, you know, my daughter's too, she's, she's, um, welcome or to be whoever she's going to be mm. um I honestly don't mind and I think as a parent it's really important for me to not project onto her to not mm. try and condition her in a, into a certain way or what I think she should be um if she chooses to work part-time in Sainsbury's as her career then that's mm. what she wants to do because like um success is down to an individual it's not um it's not what I think success is so mm. um success for my daughter may be actually staying at home with the children that she has and just working part-time in Sainsbury's and because actually she gets to spend more time with her children and teaching them and growing with them mm. and that's what success means to her so I can't dictate anything to her so right now she's free to do and be whoever she wants to be mm. um and 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 I hope that um, I when I listen to this podcast back in in twenty years, that I hold true to that. <laughs> I like the fact that you you acknowledge it might actually change because we say one thing, and <laughs> yeah, 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 you yeah. never know. You never know. <laughs> yeah, I'm an open person, so I'm open to change. <laughs> yeah, so for now, that's what I'm thinking. So, can you tell us a little bit about your work with the Kaleidoscope Orchestra? Can you tell us a little bit? about who they are and um, we've done the reading and it sounds fantastic but can you tell our listeners what it's all about and how the collaboration came about so um i worked with the kaleidoscope orchestra for um an advert opportunity that came up during lockdown and um, they did an arrangement a really beautiful arrangement of a song of mine called another lifetime and it was um yeah. basically done over lockdown i think actually and um, my daughter was two weeks old and I remember it, the opportunity coming through and I was just like, should I be doing this or should I not? Um, but essentially I was going through like a tough time with being a mum and navigating it all when we didn't have much help because we were in lockdown and the bits and pieces of work that I did do, even if it's just answering emails or like just singing a bit, it just made me feel so good. It just made me feel so human. So when, um, the opportunity came to work with Kaleidoscope and do this advert for Oppo. I was just like, yeah, I would love to do a bit of work. Um, so that's how it came about. They wrote a beautiful arrangement to Another Lifetime and we all recorded it on um, these handheld phones and um, and made an advert basically from, from our living rooms. Hmm. 
obviously you said that you guys did this over lockdown would you say that lockdown has sort of changed your creative process um i wouldn't say it changed it to be honest mm. <laughs> i would say <laughs> no <laughs> how has it stayed the same yeah oh, keep up the secret yeah please. yeah <laughs> Do you know what? The secret to, for me anyway, for creativity is collaboration, collaboration, collaboration. And it's hard to collaborate in lockdown. It's, it's not the same thing to work with someone across the internet or like, you know what I mean? Like across Zoom. Like it's just, it, it, you can get bits and pieces done, but it doesn't flow. So for me, I was desperate um, to get back into the room with other musicians and make things creatively together and having the energy in the room. Like, so I, I personally didn't find lockdown that creatively inducing. In fact, I found it the opposite. Like I had, mm. I didn't really have much creative energy um, f- for writing an album, which is what I should have been doing. <laughs> um, how would you say motherhood has changed your creative process, if at all? Well, uh, so far, I'm just like, I don't know, 20 weeks in, so not too much time. What I can tell you is that it's making me more efficient with my time. Mm. So, and I think that's actually, for me, it works really well. Because I think as a creative person um, and as a musician, you can go into the studio and you can have no end time. So you can start at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, you can come out at 2 o'clock at night and, like, um, you can have either a really terrible song or no song at all or maybe a good song but what I've noticed is that like with my daughter I only have so much time I can give to Mm. creativity so the fact that I have a start and a finish time really means that you have to get the work done like there's just no messing around there's no ordering off delivery it's like there's no going outside to smoke weed it's like come on guys we're in the studio let's write okay we've got four hours boom and then every single time I've done that I've got a song and I've got a really good song um mm. just because you're up against the time and um that may not work for some some people but it really works for me so I say I've been more time efficient and as a result I've been more creative because of it because of her should I say that's that's a brilliant byproduct. Ooh. I was waiting for you to be like, oh my gosh, it's been so much harder. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like the efficiency is really getting results. So that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I wanted to take it back to the um, Kaleidoscope um, Orchestra collaboration. Can you tell us why you chose that specific song? And also, what was it like to hear it me- reimagined like classically? Um, so I chose Another Lifetime because... Um, I just thought that it would be the nicest song to arrange classically. It's quite an open song. It's quite, it's got strings and it's got like tones of, um, it's got classical undertones, should I say, um, in it. And I felt like that's, that would be the most sort of like, um, well, the easiest song to arrange, um, classically. And also I hadn't ever done a live version of Another Lifetime Mm -hmm. yet, so just felt like the perfect song and and hearing it back in a classical way was you know it was really cool it was um it was lovely to hear it reinterpreted in in a in a different musical genre mm. yeah is it ever hard to like move on from an album that was like so like well received um into like a new creative project i know you said that you're you're so much more efficient now and um and motherhood has kind of like helped really helped that 
um from a, i guess you know when you've done something that people really love and it's had great um re- great reception is there a challenge to kind of like start fresh and do something else especially something like this and step out of the comfort zone a little bit yeah definitely definitely i think um you want to make something as good as or better than the last thing that you've done and um always at the forefront of my mind is well my fans like this and um and so it's always scary <laughs> to move on to the next project and and I, and i think you can it can be so scary that you almost don't get anything done because you're just so worried that people won't like it um but that's art isn't it it's subjective and um i may play one song to my mum and she loves it and i play the same song to my best friend and she doesn't get it at all so what can I do? Like, all I can do is just trust my own instinct and be like, do I like it? Okay, that's all I need. Um, and so moving on to this next project has been tricky. Um, and I'm still trying to find my feet with it and still trying to find what I want to say because I started the album before there was a pandemic and before Black Lives Matter and and, and before COVID, etc. And and so what I had to say before then is completely different to what I had to to what I have to say now. Um, so I'm just trying to marry the two things or not. Maybe they're two different projects. I don't know. So I'm I'm still working it out in real time. So we are so grateful, not just for the fact that you've taken the time out of your day to have a chat with us, but more importantly, you have written an absolutely beautifully written essay for us for our book that actually comes out. Well, it's coming out tomorrow, but I think by the time this podcast comes out, it will actually be out. Um, your essay, We Were Made For These Times. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to write it. It's especially considering like everything that's been going on, like just because even pre-lockdown, everything was just very busy for you. So thank you. Um, and thank you for writing it so well. Can you tell our listeners what the essay is about and more importantly, what the genesis of it was? What was it that moved you to write it? Oh, well, number one, thank you for your kind words about the essay. Um, You're very welcome. It's, it's really lovely. Um, I don't think I've written an essay since, like, I don't know, A-levels or something. Wow. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it, was, it was just like, oh, can I do this? But we gave it a go. Um, when I say we, I mean, I'm just talking about an imaginary person here because I'm just... <laughs> I always say we now. Um, so, yeah, the <laughs> essay is called We Were Made for These Times. And I actually wrote the essay way before, um, uh, yeah, anything that was happening at the moment, like, as we just mm. said, like the pandemic and the protests and things like that. But, you know, I just felt like, um, nonetheless, after Brexit, um, which was like the premise for the question that we were given, like mm-hmm. what is life like for black women or um, after Brexit? What does the future look like um, black British women? And so I just kind of stewed on that and and just thought about it because after Brexit, you know, um, we had to deal with a lot of racism that was, mm. it wasn't new, it was just under the carpet and it had been laying dormant for so many years. And like it was at a point where, you know, it was like, does it even exist? Like, not that I ever felt that, but mm. I just sensed that perhaps like my other friends, like if I would ever talk about an incident that 
was racist like my other friends who weren't black would just sort of roll their eyes just like nah come on that didn't happen or like that doesn't happen over here um and so that's kind of basically what my essay was talking about it was talking about how like brexit basically unrailed the carpet of of truly what britain is dealing with Mm. at the moment and 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 that was like you know a lot of racism like a lot of the rise of the of the far right um you know us being um a generation that is faced with quite a lot of adversity whether it be climate change you know we don't have the money necessarily to buy houses and things like that that were a bit easier for you know our parents or the generation before us so it was just talking about that and just talking about the hope that's coming from it and um and just realizing actually even though we've been hit hard, like we are the people to change this as well. And and just kind of injecting some hope into the future, do you know what I mean? And just mm-hmm. and just letting us know that there are people out there who are doing great things and more people to come that are gonna change change the planet. Um, and just to just to keep going. And that's why I called it we were made for these times. Um, but, but I didn't know, you know, how fitting it would be yes. really yeah. now. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to ask. So I was going to say, like, that's, the, I think, the best thing, but also genuinely one of the most, like, it's sad, it's moving, it's also, like, hope, hopeful things about the essay is the fact that, like, you know, it was so relevant when you filed, but then how many months later it's still so relevant and applicable to the situation that's happening now. Um, And I love that it is so hopeful, but I was just interested in... um how hopeful you still feel if you were re- writing that present day with everything that's changed, with everything that's happened, do you feel like anything would have drastically changed overall in terms of the essay or do you feel like it would still be that overarching uh, message? I think the only thing that I would have changed so um, about the essay would probably be like to, because the the, the question was um, open around what would What's the future looking like after Brexit? Perhaps I wouldn't have like based it so much around Brexit, if you know what I mean, because like it felt like once the pandemic hit, once um, Black Lives Matter and the protests hit, it kind of felt like what's Brexit? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like what what is that anymore? Do you know what I mean? Like um, so even though what I've said is still relevant, regardless of like the situations that we're dealing with, perhaps I wouldn't have honed it so much around them. But you know what? I I, I didn't know that it's, it's impossible to have even um, uh, known that there was, <laughs> there was worse to come. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I think uh, nonetheless, like the words still ring true in, even mm, regardless. Definitely. Yeah. So I know we've got to wrap up soon, but I wanted to ask you, what does being a loud black girl mean to you? Um, because some people, it does, it is about the volume of their voice, and and you know I was that loud black girl at the back of the bus, like going through Peckham, and every like everyone has got their own kind of version of what being a loud black girl means to them, and what it. Um, so I wanted to ask, what does that mean to you? Being a loud black girl means to be um, unapologetic. Um, I think that um, being black in Britain before now, I would say, to be honest, was to kind of feel a lot smaller. That's how I felt like, um, so for the area that I was facing in the school that I went to, um, like I was like uh, like one of the only black people in, in an all white space. So um, because of that, you know, I 
found that I made myself smaller. I found that I made myself quieter. I found that like things around me which celebrated my culture, I didn't want to celebrate because it was different. It was so different from everyone else's. And when you're growing up, all you want to do is fit in. So what you do to do is you strip away those parts of you which make you different. And um, and so what it means to be now as a loud black girl that I am is to put all of those pieces back in, put back in all the culture, um, put back in um, you know my hairstyles or or the way that I want to carry myself and and also and just be unapologetic I can't even say the word <laughs> unapologetically black and not yeah. be ashamed like I mean maybe ashamed is a hard word but like not want to strip it back or not want to kind of like uh, minimalize who I am and I and I think that's who I have now become today but it took years and years because it takes years to strip it down so it takes years to build it back mm. up um but I'm I'm proud to say that I'm loud and I'm black and I'm a girl <laughs> <laughs> I love, love it that. love it thank you so much Neo I feel like that was a like, perfect way to end on like such a high <laughs> yeah oh amazing thank you So that was our interview with the absolutely lovely Nao. She is such a treat to talk to. And um, honestly, her essay, um, We Were Made For These Times, is genuinely such a standout in the book, though the book is filled with amazing essays, as you will see, soon see. Um, so thank you for listening. And um, until next time, I'm Yumi Degoke. And I'm Elizabeth Uvebanene. And see you guys soon. Bye. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.